right, guys, welcome to Shelter Island, the podcast where we shoot the shit and compare the lives of a Brit and a Yankee. And this week, me and Mason get to tag team and compare the lives of one camp to another. Uh, we're welcome here with my buddy from Syracuse, Scott Greenblatt. Scott, how's it going? Yo, yo, it's going well. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. And uh, we just want to thank you guys for sticking with us for over 10 weeks. Uh, it's crazy that you can actually listen to our voices for that long. Um, but, you know, uh, we're we're sticking to it and we love the support. So uh, thank you, guys. Mason, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I'm actually back home, back in sunny old Lowestoft, so out of the big city of London. And it's weird being back. I'm back for my birthday, um, like a pre-birthday weekend. So it's nice to be back. So you you came out of the city to celebrate your birthday. So my birthday is next week. So I'm cu- I've came back home the weekend before to see my friends and family here. And then it's a oh, it's a big week back in London for my birthday <laughs> week. Let me tell you, it's 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 piss up after piss up week long, pretty much. Next week's podcast is joined at the bar. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, exactly that. Mason, can I flex my knowledge of London and ask what zone you live in? Oh right, this is this is a bit. I'm I'm a, I'm a zone three guy, but just zone three. How about the cusp? Yeah, just on the cusp. Not too bad. I was like the I was the school said that I was zone one, but I was way out of zone one. I was way zone two. I was in the heart of zone one when I was there. I was lucky enough to be like right in Holborn. Must be fucking wow. nice. Wow. <laughs> Someone's got money. Someone's doing well. <laughs> Luck of the draw. Random, <laughs> random assignments. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So actually, uh, I met Scott here at Syracuse. Um, this is actually the first time that Scott and Mason are uh, meeting. So uh, I, I have the pleasure of introducing you guys. Um, nice to meet you, mate. Oh, nice to meet you too, fella. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I met Scott three years ago? Yeah, uh, 20, 2018. 2018. Um, and we pledged the same fraternity. Um, so many uh, vaulted stories there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was weird because then obviously uh, I was away for a year and then Scott was away for a week. Uh, <laughs> and then, <It's> embarrassing. <laughs> and, then COVID. and then COVID happened. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. For the record, it was eight weeks, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it was a very quick time abroad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we, we obviously hit it off right away because we're both uh, Jews from the tri-state area. Um, so, Mason, you could probably imagine what Scott is like just right off the bat. Hey, I'm more <laughs> than just a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want to stereotype too much, but I think I could gather the vibe, to be fair. Well, yeah. he so he doesn't listen to country music, and he never had a long hair phase, so... Probably everyone, probably everyone else apart from you, then basically. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty straight edge guy, middle of the road. You know, you get what you see is what you get. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Scott also went to camp, not our camp for those listening. Um, of course, we talk a lot about people being at Chip and On, coming to our camp, and sort of our stories and whatever. So now we actually get to have a new perspective, um, sort of being at a different camp and seeing what that is like. Um, it makes a change, to be fair, doesn't it? Because like you said, it seems like that's literally all we go on about. Camp this, camp that, blah, 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 beep, 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 beep. But having a different perspective from another camp, which isn't biased at all, 
is a hell of a lot more interesting. So yeah, Jaime, like you said, Scott, uh, what camp did you go to and whereabouts was it? I went to a summer camp called Kenwood and Evergreen. It's like a brother-sister camp in Wilmot, New Hampshire. Um, I grew up there as a camper from like nine years old to, I don't know, 14 or 15. And then I went back on staff for four years. I was like a general counselor and then a unit leader. So it's definitely safe to say that uh, camp is in my blood. And I would love to compare stories as well because <laughs> I'm sure there's some overlap, but there's definitely some lore about each different camp. Yeah. It'd be good to compare. So even that, even that though, I think is absolutely crazy because, uh, you know, it seems like a thing ingrained within Americans that they go to a summer camp as a camper and they grow up and go as a counselor as well. Whereas in the UK, that's completely not a thing at all. Like summer camp isn't really a thing. People don't really go. But even though you were different states from each other, it was still a thing for you in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I would like to comment on though is that the British counselors who go always seem to love it. And they're like, how, how did I miss <laughs> yeah. that? Because some of my favorite counselors came over from England. And then when I was on staff, like I was friends with guys uh, from across the pond as well. And everyone like they, they, everyone always catches the bug when they get there, you know? Do you Absolutely. feel that way? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, I think when we head out there, it's all completely new. It's a massive, even though typically the US and the UK are fairly similar, there's a lot of differences too. So. As we travel there, it's a massive culture shock to to really see what it's all about, and you kind of get to see all these all these stereotypes you hear in person, uh, here online or here elsewhere. You get to see that all in person, so it, it, it's a lot to take in, and you just kind of live every moment, and it's fantastic. And and yeah, it's it's, it's quite an experience, and it's what I've found is so great. Like. No offense to you lot, but the Americans are so fun to wind up. It's brilliant. <laughs> like British humor, just we, we just know the knack of, of to wind you lot up. Like hi, British bro, humor you're is be... so dry, yeah. it hurts. <laughs> That's the That's thing. why it makes That's us angry. Not not because of the shit that you say, but just because it's just so not funny that it just pisses us off. And that, right. And then again, you say it's so not funny, but I think that American banter or American crack is banter. just <laughs> it, yeah, there you go. I, I, don't, I just think it's so... I just think it's lackluster. One thing I always say, like, insults as well. I think the British or, like, the English or whatever, we do insults down to a T. Because so, like, of you, pop cracks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's just I'm a bad side with it. I'm going to lose my job here. He's <laughs> taking over. <laughs> but, but, but basically, if you were to, like, insult somebody... Um, you guys would say the word tool, don't you? Like that's something you guys use. Yeah, like, like yeah. You're, a, yeah. you're you're fucking tool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we wouldn't use that at all. Like if if an American called me that, like oh Mason, you're a tool, I'd be like, well, I'm what? I wouldn't think anything of it. Whereas if you just looks like if you're a British person, and you look someone square in the eyes and you go, mate, you're a fucking wanker, just like that. <laughs> It works every time. It's so good. Like, like you say, it's so it's dry humor, yeah. but it just it just for for me, I think it just works so much better. I, I don't know about you lot, but I think it just. It took me about two years of people calling me a nonce to realize it's actually me. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's that's the most. Uh, people were just calling me. They would just come to me and be like, "Hi, oh, you're a nonce," and I'd just be like, "Thank you." Like, I appreciate that. In the right context, I think I could figure it out. <laughs> what, what exactly, in in your terms, what exactly is it? Oh God, 
Um, <laughs> before I say actually what it is, you should know that like like you say, Brit- British humour is very dry, so we don't mean a lot of the things we say. <laughs> so basically, I mean, this podcast isn't PG at all, is it? But a nonce means a paedophile. <laughs> That's literally what it means. But you could use that for, for anything. Like if, for example, if you put milk in your tea first, you're a nonce. Yeah. Like it's used in that kind of context. Yeah, the, the pedophile jokes always land really well in a camp environment. Right? <laughs> um, exactly. That. The other thing that is cool, though, about like the, the different, you know, like humor culture is that it's kind of like a melting pot when you go to camp. Like um, by the end of the summer, I would definitely find myself picking up on some of the British oh, yeah. lingo and vice versa. Um, so, so in that sense, Scott, um, what would you say your best like British lingo that you picked up is? What's your favourite terms or words from Brits you met over there that you kind of still use every now and again now? I'm sure there are some that I'm forgetting, um, but like the first thing that comes to mind is like when a good song is on, tough tune. Tough tune. <laughs> <laughs> that is a top tune. It is, yeah. That's right, yeah. We do say that a lot. I'll give you that one. I, I, I just call everyone bruv. Bro, now yeah. I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Yeah. And another one, e- even despite how long you've been in the UK, Haimo, and how long you've known me for, you can still never say the word twat properly. Like you can't say it. Twat. No. <laughs> no. Right, Scott, you try and say it now. Like you, or like how I would say it. Like so. Oh, if I if I was offending you, I'd be like, Scott, you're a twat. So if I'm like emulating how you're saying it, twat, like that. Right, how would I you say I probably would say twat. Oh my... The thing is, like, I'm the only one laughing here. You guys don't understand it. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just staring at you, like, I don't understand Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what you're on about. So you guys say it like twat. Yeah. Like T-W-O-T, but it's T-W-A-T. Twat, that's the... Yeah. That's the North so, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> so, but, but, like, even in general, like, you don't say you're a twat. You go, oh, no, you're a... You, mate. You're a twat, and that's so satisfying to say. Mm. But every single every, every single no, time, every single time Hymo tried to say it, it's just like twat. Like, it just doesn't work. I was just gonna be walking around the front house, just being like, "You're a fucking twat." <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone takes. Everyone's gonna be so. like, "Okay, yeah." Uh, uh, another one is it's a bunch of fit birds. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple of those here. Yeah. <laughs> So then what, what was it like for you, like making that transition from like camper to counselor, like you actually saw it from the other side? That's a good question. Um, I think, I think I grew into the role of counselor, like as I progressed on staff, um, I was such like, I, I just loved everything about camp, like as a camper and maybe it was weird for me at first, but by the time I was like way on the other side and you know, like in my twenties on staff, I think I kind of liked that role better. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cheesy, but like I felt like I had so many good role models as a little kid, um, and I wanted to be that sort of person to yeah. the campers as well. So I really enjoyed being a counselor. Yeah. Plus, it's it's just easier to like figure out what campers want or like deal with campers when like you know that that was you. Like, yeah. 
it's it, it's easy to deal with shitheads when you used to be one yourself. True, get that perspective. <laughs> and also, it's a weird feeling realizing that you make the rules. Like, oh, yeah. no one's telling me what to do. I am. So <laughs> that was fun. That was like what, when I was a group leader in 2018. Literally, like people would come up to me and be like, "What do we do now?" And I'd be like, "You I think I know? I don't yeah. fucking know." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wait, like, you're the group leader and i'd be like oh fuck i am yeah. it's an art so, of acting like you know what you're doing right <laughs> well one interesting thing i think scott is um i don't know if you've listened to in a few uh podcast uh, episode ago Jaime was saying of what he was like as a kid camper and he described himself as the most stereotypical chubby american kid going uh, how would you compare yourself when you were a little kid at camp like what did you think of it what were you what was kind of little scott like um, it was like a very formative version of myself. Now I was very, I was probably more enthusiastic as a kid than I am now. <laughs> I think, I think the, the pandemic has probably hardened me a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I was really into the music sort of thing. Um, we had like an old dilapidated music shed and that was some of my first experiences like jamming with other people and learning how to like solo and just feeling like that freedom um so that's like one of the first things i think about as myself as a little kid i also just like loved counselors and fucking around with them and like <laughs> giving them a hard time so i definitely probably was like a shit but I don't, <laughs> I don't think i ever was the type of kid that you know the counselors were bad mouthing at counselor meetings or anything like that oh i definitely was oh, you were? <laughs> yeah nice i was <laughs> so, so we, we have this sort of um thing that's that some people do where it's like we have like um a like buddy board for when you like go to the pool and whatever in. yeah like yeah, tags yeah um and then like if a kid was bad that week it's like their tag would go to the bottom or it's like <laughs> that's funny or it's like if a kid did something good that week or like whatever like they'd be like top of the tag board or whatever like yeah i was definitely constantly like last on the tag board <laughs> like, well, it seems like you grew into yourself right it took some time but... I, I i don't know like do you guys like as counselors like do you have like a porch culture where it's like after the kids go to bed you just kind of like hang out on the porch and just like For shoot sure. the shit and like like the kids are finally asleep and you could just kind of like Dude, uh, there, we had a steadfast rule among uh, me and my friends, like the, the guys who I grew up with and then went back on staff. 9.30 was like when they went to bed and we were like, we're treating this like a job. 9.30, punch out. Like, <laughs> my job is done. You know, we're going uh, wherever it is we're going. And, you know, you can get up to some stuff as a counselor yeah. at, at night. When the sun goes down, it's always a good time. Um, I, I would say I equally did love being a counselor with the kids, but yeah. like you need that time. Yeah. To, to be away. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's the beauty of it is like you, you get that perfect balance between you know enjoying yourself and you kind of you kind of uh, build a bond with the kids. You know they they get attached to you and you kind of develop a, a working relationship with them. But at the same time, like like you said, when the sun goes down and you can be yourself with everybody else, you get to make new friends. Um, we'll go on to the night out stuff a little bit later, but just in camp in general, what kind of stand? Do you have a standout funny memory or anything like that that you always remember for your camp because if you remember we remember me and Jaime are going to be comparing our camp to yours and we're going to be we're, we're going to be very biased so. I mean I have like a decade worth of memories so anything like specific if you I can go toe to toe on you right now bro. <laughs> this will be a three hour long podcast <laughs> I mean like yeah there's so many hilarious moments um when I was like 
a senior camper. There was like a separate place where the senior boys lived called Senior Hill, creative name. Um, of course. <laughs> and also not even accurate because it was kind of more of a plateau. It's like the ground goes down <laughs> at the same level as the rest of the camp. But, not to be geographical or yeah, anything, but it's not technically a hill. That's something I, I think about. Anyway, there was, there was this one kid who was always kind of like, uh, the scapegoat of like my age group like everyone would always give him shit but by the time that we were like the oldest age group of campers um he kind of like tied the whole group together if you know what i mean like yeah. he he was still like kind of shit like a shit kid but he was funny to be around yeah. anyway th- in retrospect this definitely just sounds like straight up bullying but we would grab his hat and put it on like a roof and the entire hill like 80 kids would line up in like a like an arc like parallel to each other and everyone would be like uh, <laughs> like, as he's running to try and jump his and get his hat off of the roof and it would take him like a few attempts and after like the fourth or fifth whenever he got it down everyone would just go ape shit and like like group like ah like, like oh, God, yeah. yeah that was always i remember like hysterical belly laughing type moments so that, that's one of them there's no shortage of those stories though oh yeah the, there was one time when when i was an older camper that we stole a screwdriver from the wood shop uh-huh. and we tried to um, unscrew this kid's bed. So when he <laughs> went to go jump on it, nice. it fell apart. Sure, yeah, definitely stories like that. Did like, it work? Uh, it did, uh, not as well as we thought, but I mean, like he still like came and like lounged down and just like fell through it. Yeah, someone took the flats out of my bed. Oh yeah. So obviously we talked about uh, like memories from camp as campers and counselors. Obviously, we want to get to the real meaty stuff about what happens off the clock. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> we have a ton of memories from what <laughs> in Monticello, New York. <laughs> and, and lack of memories. I'm and sure. lack of memories, yes. I want to know, you're in the middle of New Hampshire. I don't even know if there, is there a town near your camp? Are there bars? Do you drink in the woods? <laughs> These are all good questions, uh, all of which I'd be happy to address. Uh, the, the closest city to Wilmot, New Hampshire, like major city, is major city. Uh, it is Hanover, which is where Dartmouth is, which is, okay. for those who don't know, an Ivy League school, um, really pretty campus. So that would be a popular spot to go four days off. Um, another thing that we started doing was renting Airbnbs, just like, yes, in, in the woods and, you know, do a solid hour or so drive. It could be New Hampshire, Vermont, and like the people who are over 21 would pick up alcohol. And yeah. it was always a good time, you know, like after a week or however long, like you guys know, you need to blow off steam. So yeah. those, <laughs> those nights were always pretty fun. Um, and yeah, there's not a huge bar culture. Um, like on nights off or anything there was one small bar but i was always under 21 when i was on staff so i never went um but you know the classic like across the lake type of situation yeah. was always happening like we would um you know have a couple drinks yeah yeah yeah, a yeah. little something every now and then, <laughs> so did you guys just have off on your days off or like were you able to go out every night um, do you guys have OD like on yeah, duty? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. when when you didn't have OD like where you had to sit outside and you know be on duty or yeah. on call for the kids, you could just go out in the area. Uh, I think until like twelve thirty. That was the same with us. Yeah. I would like to mention for the record that anything that happened on those nights it was all being responsible. You know, we had <laughs> we were all good when we came back to the campers. He's Not, he's saying that just in case he needs to send in an application this summer. <laughs> just, just in case this ever gets <laughs> <anywhere>. careful. <laughs> yeah. 
What about you guys? What, what were your nights like? Uh, it was pretty much the same. So when we're not on OD, uh, we're able to go out until 1230. Um, but lucky enough, um, Monticello is a great little uh, town with many establishments. Uh, is, it right? <laughs> is there is wine there? Right? Or is that Monticello, France? That's Monticello, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Monticello was like, a little backstory on Monticello, actually, a little history for you, Mason, if you didn't know. Uh, Monticello was a very big area for like Jewish families back in like the 60s and 70s and 80s that like lived in like Brooklyn in the city um, when they wanted to get away from the city on the weekends during the summer they would go up to like a bungalow or like a cabin in Monticello or in that area mm. uh, and then they would have their little neighborhoods cool so that's why there's like a big Jewish population there um, if you didn't know that Mason um, so, so, so why why is it like been voted for one of the biggest crime rates in the U.S. or something in that town? It's like literally just because like once all like once that economy left, there was like nothing there. <laughs> so then it became the Monticello that we know and love today. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there was actually like um, not near like the strip of Monticello, but like somewhere in like backwoods, there was like this little bar. Um, that this guy Billy inherited from his father. Um, and it was just a great pub that like had a patio and was awesome. Like they were always so good to us. They gave us like free drinks when we got there. Like the bartenders were always so nice. That's like sweet. there were times on my days off that I was like, like Billy was like, do you know where you're staying tonight? And I was like, no, like I haven't really booked anything. And he's like, I'll give you the keys. Like you can sleep like under one of the tables and like, <laughs> I would literally spend nights in the Wait, bar. actually? You take yeah. them up on that? Yeah. Wow. I've spent so many nights sleeping on the floor of friends. Um, so that's usually where we ended up, uh, was just at the patio of friends or whatever. Right. Um, and then on Thursdays, they did karaoke. So everyone always tried to switch their OD to get oh, off yeah. on Thursdays because everyone wanted to go to karaoke night. OD switching, big thing at my camp too for, you know, there'd be nights where there's a trip to the gym or like other, uh, if, if something meaty happened during the week, like people would try to switch to get into the counselor meeting, oh, you yeah. know, because like, oh, yeah. that's where the, the gossip was. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so get, get a little bit away from camp then. Um, you, you, of course, you both met at Syracuse and Keeping with the theme of like memories or drunken memories, do you two have any like some of them from Syracuse at all? Oh God, my favorite memory of Scott. I I don't even know. I was drunk. I don't know if you were drunk. My favorite memory from Scott was <laughs> You're always like, drunk. You are. <laughs> <laughs> it was um our formal, and uh, it was one of our formals. Like the theme was champagne and shackles. So uh, you and your date got um, handcuffed together and you both got champagne bottles and you couldn't get uncuffed until you finished your champagne. Um, Mm. Of course, me and my date were uncuffed within the first five minutes I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were cheap handcuffs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was just saying that we we just chugged it real quick. Uh, uh, (laughs) 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 Um, Anyways, I just, I walk in and I just see Scott walking around. We had catered in like Chick-fil-A or something and he just had a platter of chicken nuggets and like a napkin over his hand. And he was just walking around like- A bow tie. Yeah, and he had like a bow tie and everything. He was like, nuggets, anyone? (laughs) (laughs) But like, we've just had some good times like kicking it around the fire in the backyard or like, always have a good beard together. That's definitely, when when I think of Haimo, I think of, you know, enjoying a good pint. Yeah, Yeah. Scott's definitely one of my more laid back friends in the fraternity, I mean, 
I obviously you have people in the fraternity that are like literally going at it like every night, you know. And it's like obviously there's always a time and a place for that. Like you you know you know I love I love myself a good party. Uh, of course. So yeah, it's it, it's definitely good that there are people in the fraternity that you could just like chill with and like crack open a few with. And yeah, I like to enjoy the beer as well. You know, right. there are nights to chug the beer, but like I like to sip it. I like to comment on it. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what we're literally about to do. Let's go. What are we drinking today? Oh, we <laughs> you're you're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> So it's that time of the week, everybody. You know what it is. It's, of course, the beer of the week. And for the second time, we've actually all got the same beer. Who would have thought? Hell yeah. Who would have thought? And to be fair, we've planned this one for some quite some time. Uh, even this one for Scotty Boy here. Definitely. So, Scott, introduce what beer have we got this week? It looks like we're going to be drinking some Elvis juice, which is brewed by Brewdog. It's a classic. Good old Brewdog. Uh, to be fair... I don't. I've tried many Brewdog beers, and there's Brewdog pubs all across England. Sure, but I don't recall trying an Elvis juice. I don't think I had this one when I was in London. I drank a lot of um, what's it? What is it? Punk, Punk. IPA, yeah. Punk IPA, yeah. and um, Hazy Jane. But yeah. I think I tried this one for the first time when I actually came back to the states, and I really liked it. So the first time I had Elvis juice was in the Troubadour. Oh, really? In London? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I, I got to drink some Elvis juice in a famous pub, so... That's sweet. Yeah, it's my, my first memory. Absolutely. So, um, let's crack yeah, these open. It looks nice, though. A grapefruit-infused IPA. Now, typically, <laughs> a little secret, um, I, I like IPAs, but IPAs don't like me. Okay. <laughs> so the last time I had a proper boozy session on, on an IPA was, um, it was when England were in the World Cup. So I was in a beer garden with my dad and we were drinking this local IPA called East Coast. So we were getting them down and everything. Next thing you know, one after the other, I ended up passing out in the toilets, throwing up everywhere. Uh, I was ended up laying in bed, passed out. And every single time I taste an IPA, I remember that night when I was ill. So um, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't bring back any painful memories. So Hopefully it'll only bring back memories of this podcast from here on out. Hell yeah. Hey, fingers crossed, brother. Fingers crossed. Let's, uh, like you said, <laughs> Tyler, let's, let's crack these open. And the interesting thing is you guys have got cans and I've got yeah. a bottle. So I've never seen it in a bottle before. No, they do. do they look similar packaging, though. Absolutely. Right. However, then, lads, let's get these open. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. You want to shotgun these? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> we all know what you done with shotgun on last time, Hi, but it didn't end well, did it? I shotgunned to Milwaukee's best. Why? <laughs> they told me to. Shotguns are reserved for, like, the wateriest yeah. of loggers. Yeah. Milwaukee's yeah. best is, like, thick. I still like this. I still like this beer. This is one of my Ooh. favorites. Yeah. How are we feeling? That's not... It's a lot stronger than I thought. <laughs> What percent is it? 6.5, I think. Six, yeah, 6.5. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> that's quite strong, isn't it? It's not quite um, errands of 8.5 last week. Which is <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> uh, but this, yeah, this is a nice little drop. Yeah, just I find it's refreshing, and it doesn't taste like any other IPA that mm -hmm. I've ever had before. 
the punk IPA, in my opinion, here that you, like you know they have a brewery in Ohio, yeah, does not taste the same as the punk IPA that I had when I was. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny you say that, though, Scott, because Hymo's said before that the Guinness in the US or the UK doesn't nowhere near taste the exact same as it does in Ireland. I believe yeah. that. And that's that's the thing. It, it does taste different wherever you go. Yeah, better over there. So I hope you're enjoying yours. <laughs> it's, it's very nice, I must say. I'm, I'm, I am enjoying it. All right, guys, we're back here on Shelter Island, the podcast. We're here with my buddy Scott Greenblatt from Syracuse. Um, so, of course, I've known Scott for quite a bit. Uh, Scott and Mason have just gotten acquainted. Um, but Scott has also sort of been to London and been to Mason's neck of the woods um, for a little bit of time. Um, so kind of, I guess, Scott, talk about that. Um, it was an abroad experience, right? Yes. Uh, I went abroad the spring of my junior year at college or uni. Um, and it was an amazing time while it lasted. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was there navigating the start of COVID. So I was cut short halfway through the program. Um, but I had an amazing spot. Like I, I lived in Holborn right by Russell Square. Um, everything was like either in walking distance or, or, you know, just take the tube. Um, and it was really fun for me just to get immersed in that new sort of culture. If I have any regrets, it's that I didn't get to know London as well because I spent most of my weekends traveling to other countries because it's so accessible from, you know, all the major airports. Well, it's also you didn't know. And I didn't know that it was going to be cut short. So yeah, it, definitely I would love to go back and get to know London itself more because I feel like even though I saw a lot, there is so much that I didn't get to see. When you were in London though, um, just yeah, what, what do you think of the place? It was so great. Um, it was also just very fun. Uh, I had newly turned 21, so I was just able to start going to bars in America, but you know, I went abroad like in January. So that was only one month. So it was fun for me to start to get immersed in like that bar culture. I loved going to pubs after class. Um, and just like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just sitting and enjoying beers and, yeah. and not necessarily doing it in like a fraternity context, but yeah. doing it more in just like a social vibe. So um, that's like one of the first things I think about the pub culture. Um, I, how often did you go to Shakespeare's head? I definitely went to Shakespeare Head. <laughs> yeah, we love the Weatherspoons. Um, I, hey. I don't know. What do you think about the Weatherspoons? Like, is that the, is that like the McDonald's of bars? The McDonald's oh. of bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that I, is. That, that's the thing. Like, like Apple uh, Oh, true. I love like, that. As as soon as Heimer came to visit, and as soon as our friend Ben Talbot came to visit as well. It was like, we need to take you to Spoons. It's kind of like a British institution and it's it's just really cheap beer and really cheap pub food. And, and for that, when you're a student and stuff, it's great. But when you're not a student and you look back at it, it's like, if you want to go out somewhere for a good pint or a good beer and some good food, you don't go to Spoons. Sure, yeah. But if you want somewhere easy, somewhere decent and somewhere that you can get a cheap pint or whatever. Even in London, if you can get a cheap pint, you go to Weatherspoons. Um, it's a good starting point for the evening, right? Like, you oh yeah, definitely, definitely. At a spoons, actually, you guys will appreciate this. One of my favorite nights while I was in London, and honestly, like favorite nights of all time. Um, I met up with a bunch of camp friends who were abroad, 
and our counselors, like our British counselors that we had while we were campers. You're all grown oh, up. Nice. All grown up. We went to like Nando's, uh, we to, <laughs> and then we went to some bars. And I remember standing in line, waiting to get into a club with a counselor that I had when I was like 12 years old. And I was like, his name was Eddie. I was like, Eddie, you ever think we'd be standing in line together to get into a <laughs> club or whatever. He's like, never in my wildest dreams. So that was really fun for me to be able to go out with my British camp counselors. But my favorite thing is like when I went, is just like, of course, Mason and your counselors, they come over and there's sort of this connotation like, oh, like the foreigners do this. They're like, oh, you're right. a foreigner. And then it's kind of like, I at least, I had Mason at Syracuse or I had some people in Long Island, so I got to show them kind of my area. Yeah. And then when I went to London, it was kind of like I was the foreigner, you know? Sure. And they were looking at me like I was the guest, and then they were showing me like their neighborhoods and things. It's fun, the, the role reversal. I, I remember, um, because I lived in Bumblefuck, Anyway, <laughs> I lived in Elves Court. It's not that far. Okay, okay, okay. But compared to where he lived, like that's where I was supposed okay. to live. Like, uh, like yeah. the, the the school told everyone that they would live within like a ten or twenty minute commute. I lived a fifty five minute commute from school every day. You know, where was your school again? It was in Holborn. Oh, that's so far. Yeah. So, anyways, um, our I had friends that lived um, north in like Zone Four. Um, and I would go visit them. It was Simon and Laura. And yeah. I would go visit them at their apartment. And then um, to get back, I would actually take the overground. At their flat. Yes, at their flat. Um, <laughs> and I would I would take the overground coming back instead okay. of the underground. Cool. And there was one time that I left, and it was like a Wednesday and we were drinking. And we come back and um, I get on the overground and I'm taking it down and I fell asleep on the overground. And of course I ended up missing Earl's Court, coming down all the way down like south of the river and like towards Brixton. And then I wake up and I'm like, shit, I need to head back up. So I get back on the overground up north and I fall asleep again. And I end up literally back at the same stop I was at when I started. And I was like, I, was like, I can't do this anymore. So I like, had to stand up by the door and every stop I would like fall out the door <laughs> to make sure that I like wouldn't fall asleep again. I I left their flat at like 11 and I didn't get home until like three. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's happened many times in London, by the way. I ended up at Heathrow about four times because <laughs> I was drunk. <laughs> yeah, the, the Piccadilly line, that one's elite. Yeah. Piccadilly line is always elite. It's the best one. It definitely is the best one. But like you said, Scott, you were in London when the COVID lockdown hit. Uh, so you had your your thoughts and your dreams of studying abroad. What was that like for you as an American studying abroad when the whole coronavirus lockdown hit? It was like obviously very disheartening um, and sobering when they were like, you have to go home. But uh, everything was so up in the air for the longest time there because it was right around our spring break and we didn't even know if we were gonna get to go. And they were like, all right, you, you can go and then you'll come back and we'll have class. So what happened was um, my friends and I, we traveled to, shit, where do we go? We went to a couple of cities. All I remember, we went to like, Bud yeah, we went to Vienna and then we went to Budapest. We went to Munich. And then our plan was to end in Ireland, uh, Dublin for St. Patrick's Day, but we flew back early because we were told we had to go home. But when we found out we were in Germany 
uh, and I like woke up at seven in the morning for whatever reason before all of my other friends we were in like a hostel and I have a thousand text messages like uh, Trump who was the president at the time is like you know he mandates like the travel ban and like my parents are like we booked you a flight home for Monday like all, all this stuff and I'm like looking at my friends I'm like oh, should I wake them and I was like I'm gonna give them their sleep like two more hours of serenity you know before the world before literally the world literally before the world crumbles so they wake up to all the same messages and, and, and shit and then we're figuring it out like what are we gonna do like, all right let's just enjoy the last day that we had planned in Germany um, what what's on the calendar so you look at the calendar like oh my god we're going to a concentration camp <laughs> it's like no. we're going to Dachau because all we had been doing was drinking in Germany and we were like we need to do something you know educational, like, educational while we're here. so that was definitely one of the most miserable days ever it was so upsetting you went we went yeah we still went oh, we were like no. yeah so so after that we went back to London and we still managed to do like a pub crawl um, we went to 10 pubs in one day, which was really fun. I had a beer at like all of our favorite spots. And then shortly after flew home. Um, so we definitely made the most of like the tail end of our trip, uh, cause lockdown hadn't actually started yet. But, um, yeah, it was a shame that it got cut short because I, I'm sure I would have done a whole lot more in London. Uh, but I do feel like we made the most of our time while we were there. Yeah. Did you like know uh, it was coming? Cause like, at least in America, it was like, we heard about it and but it was like kind of like news that like it was just not even a headline it was literally just like blink on the news and then it was like okay go about your day yeah i mean like nothing was that nothing was locked down when when we left not yet you know um all the bars and pubs were still open we i don't think anybody quite realized the severity of it until we actually got home and luckily we were able to get home with um no real hiccups right and then, and then Boris Johnson got it, like, immediately. <laughs> so you were saying, like, you, you weren't entirely sure when you were going to be back, Imo. Scott, for you, when you had to go back to the US, well, yeah, what was it like for you? Were you thinking, you know what, I get to go back to London, I get, I get to go back to my place in Holborn, I get to fully explore London again, or was it just kind of a, we'll see what happens kind of thing? No, we went home and we knew we were not coming back. That's um, so long. Yeah, no, like they were like, sorry, the program is over. We're transitioning online. So I took oh. the rest of my London classes um, on Zoom. You know, everyone was figuring it out for the first time. And that sucked because my classes were so cool in person. Like I took this art class where every week we were going to the British Museum. And I took a performance class where we were going to see things on the West End and like weird avant-garde performances and a class about the BBC, you know, like all these really awesome immersive classes that transitioned to like PowerPoint slides that, oh. that I was taking in my bedroom in New Jersey. <laughs> so that was a real bummer. Um, but I have no doubt that I'll, I'll be back at some point, probably not for as long as I was there, like eight weeks, but I definitely have every intention to return and you know, avenge some of the some of the, the opportunities that I missed. The last you can time come visit there. me when me and Mason are living together. Is that going to happen? <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm it's on the cards. If, cool. if you can get a job in London, Hunter, that's if, on the cards. If any architects in London are listening, 
I'll send you my resume. <laughs> Are there any architects listening to this? Like, is there? You, you never know. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. I'll, I'll let you know that my body fits most couch shapes. So <laughs> that'll be good. I feel like anybody that needs a couch, their body will fit the couch shape. <laughs> um, obviously, we're graduating. Um, something that you've been fortunate enough to have in college um, because you're sort of a music production major, um, is that you've started a band while you were here at Syracuse of people that you've met. Um, so sort of how did that come about and what's gonna happen once you all graduate and what's kind of on the horizons for you guys? Just plug yourselves a little. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm in a band at Syracuse University called No New Friends. Um, we all met uh, what was it? Fall of 2018. I was a sophomore. Everyone else in the band is a freshman. Um, and most of us were in like this jazz band. It was like a university group that we auditioned for. And it was the type of thing like after practice, we would just stick around and jam. And there was um, a, an underground like basement venue. And they were like, we're having a, we're having a gig. Like um, if you want to come. So we were like, oh, right, let's let's figure something out. So we like put this group together for one show came up with the name no new friends because at the time the kids who were freshmen didn't have many other friends um <laughs> and we came up with the set list and the name stuck and people really vibed with like what we were playing and you know it's been a pretty popping experience ever since <laughs> for lack of a better word like we we have a pretty big following on campus which is awesome um luckily for me i have the opportunity to stick around for one more year i'm uh, getting a master's degree it's like a graduate program for audio arts which is uh like recording engineering and music production while all of them are going to be seniors so um we've been recording all throughout the year because we don't have any shows to play yeah and we're going to start releasing some new music um our next single is actually coming out may 7th so make sure to mark your calendar that's actually before we even announced it or anything so hell yeah we got a world here. premiere on here it's, it's an exclusive on the show island podcast yeah. so wow. yeah um new no new friends single may 7th um, what kind of what, what genre do you do you play then like i would so i'm a keyboard player um and i would say most of my stuff is rooted in like soulful pop funk r&b type stuff um, I have two singles out right now, so you can look at, like, check that out if you want to. No New Friends also has a few singles that are out. Um, but the plan is, hopefully, after school, um, to ride the wave a little bit. Um, if there's anything that I learned by being abroad, it's that there's so much world to see. And if I can do that by playing music for a couple of years, you know, even if that means crashing on couches or whatever, you know, um, I would love to do that. Have you ever had any like mishaps perform in live that maybe people don't know about or? The good thing about being in a band is that if it's truly a good cohesive band, you can cover up for your bandmates if something like that happens, if there's a big fuck up. So I don't think I've ever been exposed like that in a band setting. Um, however, I do think back to like high school. I remember as a piano player, I accompanied the, the choir a couple times. And I just remember like, completely shitting the bed in like a performance or two and like you can't do anything with that when you're the piano player and there's like 80 singers like i just totally lost myself and that was pretty embarrassing but you live and you learn you know like the other thing is like there's a true support system when you're in a band like you have to trust all your band members um we played a gig like our first gig that we played in a while last week um 
at some theater in Ithaca. It, it, it was filmed and it's going to be uh, like streamed later on. Uh, it was like the 1600 person venue that only 25 people were in because of COVID, <laughs> just filming it. Um, and there was this like one break where everybody is supposed to play the same line together. But for whatever reason, the saxophone player didn't play it um, and the guitar player didn't play it. So here I am just like totally exposed in space playing this one line. And luckily I'd practiced my part and I knew it, but I was like, you guys are lucky that I got you there because if you don't <laughs> play that line, like that would have looked like a total fuck up. But so it's that type of thing, you know, like you, I think a truly good band is able to pick up for where, where other people are not able to, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like you, yeah. you pick up the slack. And being in a band, do you ever feel overshadowed by any of your other band members? Is there an ego system in place there? Well, or he wants you... another tea. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want to know the beef, man. I want, I know, yeah. I want to know the ins and the outs. No, but is there like any, any of that kind of roles in there? Or is it very much a equal playing field? That is a really good question. Um, there is definitely some sort of power dynamic. Um, I would say what the public sees is not necessarily what happens internally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at the end of the day, we just want to have a good outward facing image. And I think we do a pretty good job doing that, but sure. You know, there's a lead singer who's, she's obviously like the front woman. Um, and then there are other people in the group. And I guess it, like we do have conversations about like striking that balance. Um, and the good thing is that we're all pretty honest with each other and we're able to have those conversations. I don't think there's too much like, um, animosity or, or beef really but like there are checks and balances where it's like all right i think we should be doing like this person should be in the spotlight a little bit more or like you're doing too much right now like pull back a little bit you know there is a bit of a dynamic there um luckily nothing that has disrupted <laughs> the vibe too much but yeah it's like things you, you need to talk about that's a, that's a good answer. You, you definitely saved yourself from any drama. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> so that draws a close to the 11th episode of the Shelf Runner podcast. Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, as we always do on the podcast, we put our guests on the spot for a little bit of quotes or song of the week, whatever you like. So we'll go with quotes of the week. Is there any quotes that you live by or anything that you, you follow that you'd like to share with us today? Hmm. Um, I am being put on the spot here. I will I will draw from one of my favorite brands slash corporations of all time, Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> they say, if it's not fun, why do it? And I like that, you know, what's the point? Just have fun. I think a lot of people take life a little too seriously and you got to put things into perspective. If it's not fun, why do it? It's definitely good fun. So Scott, once again, thanks ever so much for coming on the Shelter Island podcast. Any last words before you go? Keep on doing what you guys are doing. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the format. I'm definitely going to check out all your other episodes now. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll get to meet each other at some point, Mason. It was good chatting with you. Yeah, it's very good to meet you, mate. And hi, Mo. Any last words? Uh, obviously just keep sharing with your friends keep loving uh keep listening and obviously follow no new friends music and scott greenblatt on all your socials and spotify because uh some new music is coming up very soon yes sir and speaking of new music for a first time on the shelter island podcast we're gonna have our own little outro so scott if you don't mind for the shelter island podcast outro take it away my man all right, here goes nothing. Thank you guys for having me.